You're listening to a podcast of Red Sea Church, a community of faith in Portland, Oregon, where our mission is to draw to Christ, develop in community, and deploy into culture. Good morning, and um, we're going to take some time. This is the part of our service where we just take some time to acknowledge God in prayer together as a congregation before we listen to our message today. So if we can please bow our heads and quiet our hearts. Lord, I just want us to take a moment to pause. The message series we're doing this season is busyness. And with that busyness, I feel like sometimes we forget some of the important things that are, that are true that your word teaches us. God, you are love, and we want to thank you for that. We want to thanks for the love that you give us each and every day. No matter our circumstances or what's going on, it is truth that you love us unconditionally each and every day. Let us sit in that. Let us rest in that. Let us find security in that, that we are loved by the creator of the universe. We are loved by the all in all. God, you are love, and that is the beauty. When we look up love in the dictionary, we should see your name there, and that's actually, as believers, that is what we see. You represent it. You demonstrate it. You sent your son to demonstrate love for us on the cross. You pursue us every day, no matter what things we do, how we act, how we feel. You pursue, you're a patient, you're always there with open arms, ready to receive us whenever we decide that that is the right path. Lord, I confess that I forget that. Um, I confess my busyness. I find myself more concerned with the day-to-day and the grind than I do of sitting and reflecting on the truth of what your scripture teaches us. I let society dictate some of my truths and norms when clearly in the scripture that is not the truth. So, Lord, help us during this time that we're covering and going over your word about busyness and what it means that we can focus on what's important, that we can take the time to reflect on the truth, to spend time in your word to spend time together, to remind each other, to spend time in prayer, spending time with you each and every day, the foundation of our lives, the rock amidst the storm. Lord, I want to lift up this morning all the people and families that were related to 9-11, Father. We want to acknowledge the pain and the sadness, and the brokenness. Lord, I ask that you can be with the families and can they can turn to you and find comfort and peace in you and what you represent. Lord, I also want to thank you and lift up the men of Red Sea as we focused in this weekend on the men's roundup and had men travel and spend time in word and in dialogue with each other 
but also the men that weren't able to go, Lord. I just want to spend time lifting them up this morning. Lord, I ask that we as men can be leaders and love our wives as you loved your church. That we can take leadership and and lead by example. And so, Lord, I ask that you do a work under the men of Red Sea. And also, thank you for the, obviously, the women and children um, and the love that they provide each and every day. We lift these things up to you, Lord, and just pray for Josh as he comes up and teaches us our segment here on what it means to, to focus on you in the midst of busyness. In your precious name, amen. Thanks, buddy. Wow, that's high. Okay. Uh, Well, good morning. Like I said a little while ago, my name is Josh. I get the opportunity to teach here at Red Sea along with another guy named Royce who is away uh, hanging out with with the guys right right now. Over the last year and a half, we've been uh, just walking through the book of Matthew. We started in the beginning, and uh, and we're at about chapter 23. And um, sometimes what we like to do as a church is typically we like to just pick a book of the Bible and just slowly like work through the whole book. Uh, and just talk about everything it talks about. But every once in a while, we look into you guys' lives, uh, being in community with you, and we just see things that you guys are struggling with. Um, and so we like to stop and take time to try to address those things. Um, last year, we did the same thing. We just stopped and we talked a little bit about family, if you guys remember that series. And then we did conflict, because that was something a lot of us were in. We just did a two-month series, one on family, one on conflict. It was real helpful, real practical. Well, this year, as we're talking to you guys, uh, another issue that we continue um, to face is busyness. Like, we're just, we're just really, really busy as people, right? It doesn't matter what life stage that you're at. We are all running at a, at a hectic pace uh, most of the time. And there are some dangers in that. We're all fi- obviously feeling the physical effects of that. Uh, but there's also some pretty severe uh, spiritual dangers that come along with it. So we said, hey, why don't we stop? Why don't we take September and October just to process through some of these things? Uh, the first two messages were just real foundational. It's like the 10,000-foot view of God's purposes and our time and us being here, uh, those types of things. Then we're going to get real practical. We're going to talk about the workplace. We're going to talk about having kids. We're going to talk about social media and how it factors into, into our busyness. We're going to address things like rest and what is kind of God's plan for rest, um, all of those different things. So it's going to be a, a, an eight-week series and so I encourage you guys, really commit to over that next eight weeks. If you can't be here, you can listen to all of our audio online. And then uh, think about going to a community and plugging in and processing through a lot of the busyness that's in your life. Uh, we decided to leverage uh, a book. Uh, this is a, a book by a guy named Kevin D. Young. Um, he's a, a real respected pastor and teacher. Uh, he wrote this book, and it says, uh, Crazy Busy, a mercifully short book about a really big problem. And so we just decided to use the book to kind of drive the message series. And so we ordered a whole bunch of copies of these. Uh, you are welcome to have one. They're at the Connect booth. If you can pay $5, uh, we've all set the cost to make it 5 bucks. If you, can't, if you don't have 5 bucks, just grab a book. Uh, we would just love for you to read it. And so this week, uh, we're going to kind of, each month, we're going to say, hey, before you come, why don't you read these two chapters, and it would help you. We're not going to be talking about the exact same things he is. That's called plagiarism. Uh, we are going to just kind of leverage a little bit his uh, direction and say, well, this is what's kind of unique to Red Sea uh, about, about it. So this week, what I want to talk to you guys about is 
How did we get to this place of being crazy busy, for one thing? And then the second thing we're going to talk about is what's the, the greatest danger in being as busy as we are? Before we get into what actually makes us busy, let's look at our hearts a little bit and the inherent danger in there. So over the last two weeks, we've asked you guys to take a survey. We're going to put that up now. Uh, we sent out a, a Google Doc and said, hey, if you go to the website, you can fill out, uh, or if you go to Facebook, you can fill out this survey. And so we had a, a bunch of you guys take the survey, which is really good. Definitely probably 60 uh, percent uh, or more of you took the survey. Those of you that were really busy probably didn't. Um, but uh, so I'm not sure if this is accurate. But I just want to walk through these because I thought they were just kind of kind of interesting. These are our results. So the first question was, do you regularly work 30 minutes a day longer than your contracted hours? That was kind of interesting, 50-50. So half of you guys are working more than what you're actually paid to get to work, okay? Which is pretty telling. Let's go to the next one. Do you check work emails and phone messages at home? Uh, we had a little bit more, 55%. It's probably those same 50% that are working too much. Uh, a, a, a big group of us are also uh, checking our phone messages at home. Okay, next one. Uh, has anyone ever said to you, I didn't want to trouble you because I know how busy you are? That one kind of hurt, didn't it? When I had to take the survey, I was like, oh, man, like, I, I'm that guy. I mean, I, I think that happens. I was like, yep, all the time. So that was, it bumped up 60% of us, which I thought was pretty telling. Uh, do your family or friends complain about not getting enough time with you? This is really interesting. This was a little, a little different. So typically the way the survey is designed, if you answer yes to the first six and no to the last six, then you're crazy busy, right? But this is one of the first six, and there was actually, we, uh, more of us, actually, our families aren't complaining about getting enough time with us. So golf clap, bravo. Okay, next one. Uh, if tomorrow evening was unexpectedly freed up, would you use it to work or do household chores? Go up just a hair. So we can see the percentage. 56% of you guys, if the evening filled up, would probably jump back on the email or, or do a little cleaning. It says a lot, right? Okay, let's keep going. Uh, do you often feel tired during the day, or do you find your neck or shoulders hurting? Wow. 82% of you guys. Now, if we were like a, a, a room full of gray-haired people, no offense to you gray-haired people, right? This statistic would make sense, right? But we're not. Uh, and I think this, this one was really telling to me of like, okay, there's some, there's some pain. A lot of that is due to stress, right? It's due to just overworking, do, doing too much. Okay, keep going. Uh, do you often exceed the, oh, this is bad. Do you, do you often exceed the speed limit while driving? Dang, 65% of you guys. Busy, busy, you know? Uh, okay. Uh, do you make use of any flexible working arrangements offered by your employee? That was really encouraging. Also, about 60% uh, of you guys uh, make, use those working arrangements. Uh, do you pray regularly with your children? Uh, I thought this was really good. About 58% of you guys uh, do pray regularly. And then look at this next question. Do you have enough time to pray? 85% of us, right? So it's not the fact that we don't have time to pray. We just need to use the time doing something, you know. We need to stop doing something we're doing in order to actually pray with our kids, right? Okay. I think there's one more here, one or two. Do you have a hobby in which you are actively involved? This is pretty cool. 65% of us are, are doing a hobby or something that, that we enjoy outside of work. That was really, really good. I was encouraged by that. Any more? Do you eat together as a family or household at least once a day? Good job. Man, 85% of us 
at least sit down together as a family and eat a meal. Uh, in today's culture, those numbers uh, are, are drastically different. So that was really encouraging that we're at least together, right, as a, as a family. And then that's it, right? We're done? Okay. So, uh, so I didn't know how this would work out. I was like, man, we're going to do the survey, and this could be, like, really bad. You know, you guys could have, like, not be busy at all, and we planned out this eight-week series, and this is going to be awkward. But, uh, but that survey really showed me that, that this is a problem. You know, we, uh, we're just doing too much. Uh, we need to learn what to say no to. Uh, so how did we get here? How did we get to this place of being crazy, bu- crazy busy? Well, I think we have to look uh, historically to answer that question. So I've got a few slides I want to throw up uh, here for you guys. Uh, and this kind of breaks down the, the, the average kind of American's life over the last couple of hundred years and what's changed in that life. So first you had the pre-industrial uh, revolution. Now, the, the pre-industrial life. So this sort of been... Jesus' day, obviously. It was an, during the agricultural uh, society. This is what the, the biblical family, for the most part, when you read the Bible, uh, would have lived. Um, so prior to the Industrial Revolution, uh, the workplace was in the home. Uh, the whole family is involved in the domestic and commercial activities. So everybody is always together. They're always in the same place, for the most part. Uh, work and home are in the same location. Uh, the season fluctuations in workload plus many holy days, right? So when you worked real hard at certain times, but then you had these downtimes, right? It was called winter, you know, uh, where you just couldn't do as much as you, as you used to. And they were all together on top of that uh, for much of, uh, of kind of, you look historically, human history, there's this idea of like days of rest worked into everyone's schedule, holy days. We can see it in reading in the Old Testament, but it's not unique to Christianity or Judaism to, to have these holy days, these days of rest. Let's keep going here. Uh, people are working enough to maintain their standard of living. That was really the goal, right? Put food on the table, keep a roof over your head, uh, keep your family going. Uh, there were specialized manual skills. People had a one specific skill that they were good at. That's all you did. And very few times did you ever break out of that. You, dad, did this, and so you do this, and this is how it went for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, uh, it was a fairly slow pace of life, and a part of that was because of the next one. The schedule was regulated by daylight and seasons dividing time into days, right? You got up when the sun got up, and you went to bed when the sun went down because there was no alternative. There was no electricity. Uh, and that made for a, a little slower pace of life because there was a time to work hard, and there was a time to rest, right? There was a season. It was harvest, and then there was a time of rest afterward. And then work in and of itself is seen as fulfilling, I believe. Okay, now let's go to the Industrial Revolution. Now, things change drastically, particularly in American history when the Industrial Revolution comes along. This is now what we see. The workplace is separate from the home, right? All of a sudden, people have to leave and they have to go into the industry. And so now they're separate, for, separate from the family. Men go out to work while women work in the home, for the most part. There are exceptions to that, obviously. Uh, people walk to work, right? There's, there's, there's not a, an idea of a, of a long commute or sitting in traffic. Uh, you just couldn't do that, so you had to walk to work. Um, there are long working hours and no holidays, right? It drastically changes, uh, this was before any labor laws were around, right? They worked you as long as they could possibly work you. They did away with holidays. And this is all kind of what, at the same time, and this is a, as America is becoming itself, right? And really becoming known during this Industrial Revolution. Uh, people are working enough to maintain their standard of living. Once again, that's, that's still the same. 
Uh, there's one or two skills that are honed by several years of practice. There's not this idea of having a bunch of different skills or being able to do a bunch of different things yet. A slow pace of life outside of work. Uh, schedules regulated by the clock, dividing time into hours. And work itself is seen as fulfilling, once again. Okay? So imagine these two span thousands of years of history. Right? And the Industrial Revolution comes along, it drastically changes it, and then now we find ourselves in the post-industrial age, right? This is after, I would say, just 1950s, just throwing a number at it. So this is the life that we live today in the post-industrial, uh, post-industrial life. The boundaries between the work and home are blurred, right? You can work at home, you can work in the workplace. I mean, there's, there's no clear boundaries. You, you can never not work, right? You can, if you want to, never not be at your job because of the access that we have. Uh, men and women are both in the workplace now, but women do most of the domestic chores still in, in our society, right? So women, you, have, you, you have, have taken on a double burden of providing for your family, but also taking care of a lot of the domestic responsibilities. Bit of a generalization, but uh, still true. Um, we also, on top of that, we've added a long commute to work, how many hours of our life are we losing sitting in traffic on I-84, right, or on I-5, trying to get to where we're going? Uh, there's a constant pressure at work with two to four weeks off. So when you work, you work hard, right? When you're there, you're, 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 you're giving it all of your thought. And then we have these small times where we check out and we don't work. It's called vacation, right? And we have to leave. We have to get away. But that only happens a few times a year. And most of us, when we start out a job, I mean, you're looking at what, two weeks? Especially if you're in the skill trade. You get a whole two weeks out of those, you know, 52. There where you get to actually, you know, take a little bit of time off. But then you work and you get a little more, but it's still drastically lower than it's ever been. Um, uh, people now work to attain a higher standard of living, right? We don't work to maintain. We work to have more than what we have. Isn't that the goal? of work. We have all these things that we want, and so we just keep working to create, and that's, that's ultimately why we're working, because there's things that we want. Um, uh, constantly needing to update skills and, uh, and knowledge. Um, there's no longer one skill. You, most of you probably don't do what your dad did, right? Most of us have picked a trade of some kind, and most of us can do several different things. And it's actually been prized in our culture now to have a, a very uh, diverse portfolio of things that you can do. And it's not uncommon for someone to go to college, do something for, you know, five or six years, and then go back to school to find something completely different and then go do that thing, right? I mean, this is, this is kind of what we're raised into. Um, uh, it's a fast pace of life uh, with both work and pleasure, pleasure, right? Work hard, play hard. That's, that's what it is. You, you work all day and then you spend your weekends doing something. Uh, the schedule is self-regulated, dividing time into minutes, and lastly, aspiring to a job that is intrinsically fulfilling, right? We, we find a lot of our, of, our, of our identity not in the fact that we're working, but in what we're particularly doing, right? It's become, if I asked you, who are you, you know? If, uh, if I, I said, hey, you know, Rose, who are you? Rose would probably say, oh, I'm a, what are you? Whatever. Yeah, you're not, you're a doctor, you're something like that? Practitioner, okay. Rose, that's what she would say. And she would probably say that most likely before she would say, I'm a grandparent or I'm a spouse to Joe, 
you know? Uh, because our work defines who we are. What we do defines who we are and the culture that we find ourselves in, okay? So that's how we got here. Now, I thought this was really interesting. Just as I was doing some of my study and, and, and research into, uh, into America, I want you guys to listen to these phrases and just let me know if they sound familiar. Have you ever heard the phrase, God helps those who help themselves? Sound familiar? Okay. How about early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy and wise? Or that one? Okay. Never leave tomorrow what you can get done today. There is no gain without any pain. And then this one I thought was funny. It's a sleeping fox catches no poultry, uh, which I replace with the early bird gets the worm. Right? We've heard that one. Those are not from the book of Proverbs. <laughs> right? Those are from Poor Richard's Almanac that was written by Benjamin Franklin. And it was his kind of theology on a hardworking America. And our country was created upon this idea of a really hard work ethic. And it's the reason that today we work more hours than anybody else in the world, and we take less vacation than anybody else in the world. And we've all been raised in this. I mean, you've just been, you and I have been indoctrinated into it our entire lives. You have to make something of yourself. You have to work. Now, you would think that with the advances that we also um, get to experience, the, the time in history that we live with, with science and technology and, and transportation, you would think that we would actually have more time, wouldn't you? All these machines are doing all these things for us. We don't have to scrub out our laundry anymore, you know? We can hop on public transportation. We have science, we have medicine, we have all of these great things. You would think that we would actually have more time and we would be more productive. But this is a huge part of the problem. And Kevin DeYoung talked about this in his book. The problem is because we have access to so much technology, so much information, so much science, we can go anywhere. We can learn anything. We can stay up as late as we want, right? Kevin DeYoung says the result then is, simply, is simple but true. Because we can do so, much, do so much, we do do so much. We have no limits. We eat what we want. We buy what we want. We say what we want. We can pick from 100 different hobbies. We can watch 1,000 different TV shows. My kids can play any sport that they want. We can choose to live anywhere for the most part that we want. Then add on top of that all the stuff that we have. New homes, new cars, new iPhones, new video, like the iPhone 7, you know, new video games, new downloads, new places to go on vacation, new stores, new restaurants, new coffee shops, right? All of this stuff. And we work so that we can experience all of these things, so that we can own all these things. But you know what happens? These things actually own us. And we're slaves to all these things. We can't stop working. We're just crazy busy. The problem is we're just doing too much. We need to seem to learn to say no, right? And we need to say no to the right things, and we need to say yes to the right things. So what I want us to talk about today is what I believe is the greatest danger uh, to this busyness. And it's not the physical effects of it. It's not the stress. It's not the anxiety and, and, and the depression that we're all feeling. There is a much greater danger in our busyness. It's because our busyness is giving us a sense of self-worth, Right? We're busy because we like it. it. You know, it makes me feel important. And when I'm not busy, I just don't feel like I'm important. Right? And we have all these things that are vying for our heart, that, are, that, that, that everything our heart wants, 
we want to give it because we can give it to it, right? And so we're caught in this really, really difficult place. So we need to figure out what we can do about it. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to look at Psalm uh, 131. It's a psalm written by David. It's called a, a psalm of, a, of ascent. I'm going to ask you guys to stand up while we read the psalm. This is something we do here at our church. We just stand up and we read the Bible uh, in honor of God's word. And uh, after I read the text, I'm just going to pray for you guys. I'm going to pray for myself that this truth would sink down into our hearts uh, and not just be in our heads, right? Okay, so let's do this. Psalm 131, song, a song of, of, of ascent of David. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Let's pray. Uh, Father, I thank you for the psalm. I thank you for what we can look at it in David's life. Uh, A guy that had a lot going on in his life, but he could come before you and say, I have quieted my soul. Um, God, I just confess to you that my soul is not quiet. My soul is just searching for all these different things to fill it, uh, to give it purpose and identity. And, and I believe as a church, we're right there. Uh, we just have so many different things that are vying for our hearts, so many different things that, that want to give us purpose. Uh, Father, I pray that as we look to you, uh, you would just be greater than all those things. That uh, our jobs and our 401ks, all of that would just pale in comparison to you and to putting our hope in you. Uh, but that's a truth that, uh, that we need you to open our heart to. So we just ask that you would do that during our time together now. We ask it in your name. Amen. Thanks, you guys. Can have a seat. So like I said, this psalm is written by, uh, by King David. Uh, and if you guys know, guys know David, uh, he didn't have an easy life, right? Uh, it's pretty interesting. It's, he says, I have calmed and quieted my soul. That's the name of it. But when you think about David's life, man, I mean, maybe if he wrote this when he was a shepherd boy. You know, like hanging out with the sheep out in the wilderness, killing like bears and lions and stuff, you know? I can see David writing that, but it's a song of ascent. So it's David, after he's become king, he's going up to the temple to present his offering to, uh, to God. And then when you look at the story of David in 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, it's a, it's a crazy story, right? I mean, he spends the first half of his life just trying to save it from Saul. Tons of just wild, crazy stories in there. Uh, and then the second half of his life, which is once he becomes king, the whole thing is filled with either fights from within his kingdom. Uh, Judah and Israel, this is when Judah and Israel begin to separate into two different kingdoms. And each one kind of has their own king. And David's kids at some point try to kill him, right? And then on top of that, he's got the Philistines on the outside trying to kill him always, surrounded by these, by these nations. It's a messy, messy life. The guy was really busy. But in the midst of that, what David does here is he slows down, and I believe that he is speaking the truth of the gospel to himself as he approaches the temple, right? He's, he's putting, David's basically putting himself in his proper place before God in the midst of all of this craziness that's going on. And we really, we read that, and we have to sit here and say, have, can, can you and I sit in this room and say, I have calmed and quieted my soul? You know? It's hard. 
See, I believe there's this direct connection between our busyness and a, and a soul that is searching for something to fill it. Some, some, this void that we're trying to, trying to fill. And like I said, I think the greatest danger of this pace that we live isn't the physical effects of it. It's the identity that we're finding out of our busyness. It's what's going on in our hearts, right? It's taken a place where God is supposed to be in our hearts. This is the reason that we fill every extra moment in our schedule with something. It's the reason that when you go to bed at night, you can't stop thinking, right? It's the reason that you stay up late and that we stress and that we're anxious. It's the reason that we don't have peace. And I believe it's because there's just something else vying for our heart. And I, I want to be like David. I want to say, Lord, my heart is not lifted up too high. My eyes are not raised too high. I don't think too much of myself and what I'm trying to accomplish. Now, we obviously don't think that we're being arrogant or prideful by our busyness, right? But I, I, I want to make the point to you guys that I think our busyness and our restlessness is a sign of a heart that's searching. And the thing is, you'll find it in whatever you're searching for. You'll find purpose in your work. You'll find purpose in your busyness, in your friendships. And that'll become a little pseudo-God for you, right? So this is why we need to talk about this. It's our heart. That's what God has always wanted is our heart. And David models it here for us. See, the heart, it's the, it's the seed of the desires, All of the things that you and I want, they come right out of our heart. This is why the greatest commandment that we talked about two weeks ago was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, right? Soul, mind, and strength. But when we're busy, we just don't take the time to stop and examine what's going on in our hearts. Instead, we just follow our hearts. And when you look at some of our lives, let's be honest, the heart gets what the heart wants, doesn't it? It gets the food that it wants, you know? It gets the pleasure that it wants. It gets the, self, the fulfillment that it wants and all these different things. But really what that's doing, it's just masking the rot that's really inside of our hearts that, that only will find true identity, the true rest, true peace. I talked to some of the UP students this past week uh, what Jesus said, come to me, all you are heavy and, uh, who, are heavy la- who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. If you're restless, that's because there's something else that's in your heart and it's not Jesus. Uh, look at what Jesus says here and put it up on the screen, Luke 21, 34. I just, this is really striking to me when I read it. Uh, Jesus said, uh, and, and this is titled, Watch Yourselves. It's really encouraging. He says, but watch yourselves, lest your heart be weighed down with dissipation. Dissipation is basically um, the cares of this world. And then he goes on to say the cares of this world. It's, uh, it's things that aren't good for you that you want, basically. That you're weighed down by dissipation, drunkenness, and the cares of this life. And that, and that day will come upon you suddenly like a trap. And the day that he's talking about is the return of Jesus. Royce talked about this last week. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may, be stre- that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going on to take place and stand before the Son of Man. And the analogy that Jesus in his time on the earth paints for us multiple times is like us just wandering on a little stroll 
only thinking about ourselves, smelling the daisies, not caring about anything else but ourselves, and just like, oh, it's such a great life, and you fall into a pit, right? That's the suddenty that the Bible implies that Jesus will return at some point. And, 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 and that's it, right? Royce talked about this last week. There's no, there's no plan B. There's no second chance. All you have is this little window that Royce said in Psalm 90, your life is like, it's gone, right? This is hard. This is a hard truth. But it causes us to stop and examine all that's going on. Now, some of our busyness cannot be helped. Okay? I don't want to, like, just guilt trip all of us. Some of it can't be helped. Some of you cannot determine how many, how many hours you work at work. Some of you cannot determine the amount of classes that you have to take in class. Right? That's just something that's been placed upon you. Uh, those of us who are parents, you just... You, you can't uh, not give your children the amount of time that your kids need, right? They are rather needy, uh, and, and they need a lot of time out of us, right? So there's some things that we can't, we just can't help about our schedule. But on the other hand, busyness is also a choice. And, and I believe that, that some of the choices that we are making is just a product of a desire of our heart. And those desires are not godly desires. The desire to work a job, the desire to go to school, uh, desire to be in relationships, those are not bad things. They're just desires. But many times, our desires become what the Bible calls idols. Right? How do you know when a good desire has become an idol? We say this at Red Sea over and over again. By looking at what you're willing to do to see the desire fulfilled. That can tell you whether or not this good thing has turned into something really bad in your life. So, here's what I want us to do. Look at what your busyness is producing, right? Just, just take a step back a little bit and look at your life. Look at the overflow of your life. The way that you live, the way that you interact with people on a daily basis. And think about this. This is, this is the overflow of your heart, right? It's the overflow of your desires that are coming out. What is your busyness producing? What's the fruit of your busyness? Okay? And if the fruit is not the fruit of the Spirit, if what you're producing out of your busyness is not love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, then something has to change in your life and in my life. Because what we're producing is not the fruit of the Spirit. It's called the fruit of the flesh, right? And some of us are just operating through life on a daily basis like robots, right? And, you know, we're about as friendly as a cat. That's the fruit that is being produced in our lives because we're just seeking after things for the wrong reasons. Look what David says here in verse 3. I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. So David says, what I'm doing right now is, is I'm, I'm, I'm like, as I, as I think about my relationship with God, I'm like a child that is nursing. That is not a hard visual in this church, right? We see this a lot in this church. We have a lot of little kids running around. So David says, I'm like a child that was like, crying out. And you guys know, when a child wants mom's milk, 
There is nothing that will pacify that child. Nothing. It will scream until it gets what it wants. And David is saying, I'm like a child that has got what it wants. And I'm cuddled up nursing to God, right? It's a weird analogy. But he's like, that's me. I'm like, yeah, this is good. You know, I'm happy. And afterwards, I'm going to go into like one of those coma naps that baby goes to go into after they breastfeed, you know? They're just gone. That's a beautiful visual. And David says, and I think for us, I mean, can we say, I'm, I, I'm living like a, a nursing child with God? Or are you living like a screaming baby, trying to search to find all these things that pacify? And it's not pacifying. Now, a part of this, just super practical, is us understanding that we are finite creatures. God created you and me as a finite creature. He could have created us differently, but he didn't. And when he created us, by God's grace, you know, the sun actually goes down at some point and we get sleepy and we're forced to rest, right? Work and work and work and then we rest. And then we work and work and work, right? God created us to have to rest, to have to slow down. And so if we're finite creatures and if God has created us that way, then I think it's okay for us to schedule for less. You know, you have to intentionally do this. You have to schedule for margin in your life someplace. Because if you don't ever schedule for margin, if you don't ever slow down, if you don't admit that you have limitations, then you're never going to take the time to really examine what's going on in your heart. And you're just going to keep operating like a robot. Uh, Me and Jamie had something by God's grace happen to us recently. Um, We had, sounds weird, we had a family member die. Uh, That's not the God's grace part. Um, But we we had to drop our schedules immediately, right? It was a sudden, sudden death. And we had to hop on a plane and fly back home to Alabama. And, uh, and the plane schedule was awful. It was just like last-minute tickets, and we're pretty cheap. And yeah, anyway, so we wound up having to have like a three-hour drive at the end of, end of this flight. And we took like different planes, different airports. We landed in the same airport. We got in a car together. We had like a three-hour drive. And, uh, and we got into this conversation of like, how are you doing? You know, like, how's it going? How's, how's life? And let's be honest, we don't always have that conversation. Do we ever stop and say, how are you really doing? And uh, as me and Jamie began to process over a couple of hours of riding in the car, we, uh, we realized that we really weren't doing well. You know? Um, there was a lot of things that, that we were doing that we really just didn't have any joy in, in what we were doing. You know, we were just doing really what we were, we were just doing too much. And because we were doing too much, we didn't have joy and hardly any of it, you know? And, and that's not the way that God created us to be, right? Jesus in John 15, 11, he says, I want you guys to have, have joy, abundant joy. That's why I've come here so that you can have joy in life, so that you can have peace in life. So we, we, had, to, we had to at least realize that. And then the hard part is actually doing something differently. It's actually changing, changing our schedule, right? And, and I don't know about you guys, me and Jamie are really bad. We get in this routine of like, being really busy, and then we realize that's going on, typically not in a healthy way. It's like a fight or, or something like that or some big conflict. And so we stop, we slow down, we identify the problems, and we're like, we say, yeah, something's got to change. And then what do we do? The next few weeks aren't as bad, and you go right into the same schedule that you've always been in, and nothing ever changes in our lives, right? 
We've got to learn to operate a different way. This is the reason that we're going to be talking about this stuff over the next eight weeks. But here, before we get real practical in this series and start talking about all the different minutiae of busyness, here's what I want us to do. And I believe this is God's word for us today. Uh, And it's what David does here in in verse 3. He says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. At the, the foundational level, we have to put our hope in the Lord. And we're like, well, that's easy to do. Like, okay, I, I hope in God. I believe in God. I don't have to prove myself. But it's much, much more than that. I mean, I mean, if you resonated with anything that I said so far in this message about busyness and about identity and self-worth, then you're not putting your hope in God, right? So here's the key. We have to hope in Jesus But in order to do that, we have to connect my busyness with what Jesus did on the cross, with the finished work of Jesus on the cross. This is the key. Connect Christ's finished work to my never-ending busyness, right? We have to think this way. So God himself, he entered into this world. He redeemed us from our sin, right? We believe that on the cross. He took the place of us. He paid the debt that we owe. We can say that confessionally. That Jesus did that. Thank you, God, for dying on the cross for me. But functionally, what we demonstrate with busyness, we say Christ's death only goes so far. My busyness has to step in here and fill that void, right? That's the difference between a functional faith and a a confessional faith and a functional faith. We literally act as if God's love will fail if we're not busy proving ourselves. That's what my life is demonstrating. That's what my busyness is demonstrating. Jesus says, it is finished. And you're like, nope, not yet. I got some stuff I got to do. I got to be real busy to give myself a sense of worth and identity. That's literally what we're saying to God by, by just running at this crazy pace. See, when we find our worth and our identity in Christ, you know what will happen? Your lives, your and my lives will reflect what David paints in that psalm. We will not be crazy busy. We will not be irritable. We will not be pressured to prove ourselves through our achievements. We will not be burdened by failure. We will not be fearful of what other people think of us. We will be a people of peace. So here's the key. You're going to have to do what David did. You're going to have to speak the gospel to yourself. You're going to have to still your heart and all the things that your heart wants by putting your hope in the Lord. Tomorrow at work, the next time you have to prove yourself, the next deadline, the next time you feel like you're letting God down, what you need to do is identify the specific truth about God that you're not believing. And you have to speak that back into your own life. I'm not going to give you like, here's five steps to become less busy, right? Right? I want us just to, just to take the time to slow down a little bit. Spend some time on our hearts. Lay out all our desires and say, man, why, why am I spending all my time pursuing after this thing if, if it's not even eternal, right? Who cares if my grass doesn't get mowed? It's Portland, right? Let's, let's spend our time on the things that really matter. And then the things that don't really matter, just say no, right? We can do a lot there. So here's what we're going to do right now. We're going to, <coughs> excuse me, we're going to visually reenact putting our hope in Jesus. Thank God 
that he loves visual aids, right? All throughout the Bible, God loves visual aids. He knows that we are very prone to forget. For us, the visual aid is communion, right? It's this idea of coming to this table and breaking off the bread and dipping it into the wine and juice and saying, it is finished. I've been made right in the eyes of God. God will take care of me. God loves me. I don't have to fear man. I don't have to lash out, right? I don't have to take life into my own hands. God is doing these things for me. It's just a visual reminder. And we're going to sing songs about this. Christian, Alyssa, Laura, they're going to head back up. And we're going to sing about this great God. We're going to sing about a friend that I have in Jesus. Right? But then I want us to leave here, and I want, to, I want us to demonstrate it. I, I love you guys. Like, I really do. I, I've been walking with you guys for years, and I love you, and I, I don't want us to continue to live like this. So let's go and let's do this together, right? Let's identify those idols. Let's speak into each other's hearts. When you see it, when you see a restless heart inside of somebody else, say, hey, I don't think you need that thing. Let's help identify those idols. And then let's keep going on. And one day Jesus will return, praise God. We'll get to be with him. But the sobering truth is we'll have to answer for how we spend our time. And let's spend our time on what matters, okay? Let's pray. Uh, God, I thank you for Jesus. Uh, Father, Jesus is amazing. Thank you for his blood that was spilt, that it was finished. Not only just the sins of the people that were alive right then, but Jesus' blood on the cross, because he was, he was fully divine, that, 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 that um, death, it covered a, a history span. A divine being, an eternal being came and sacrificed himself and he made an eternal sacrifice that covered all sin. But Jesus was also fully human. And so that, 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 that sacrifice also covered all of our sin, all of our rebellion to you, all of the things that we search for to give us purpose. All of those things have been covered by the blood of Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you for that. Now, Father, please, through your Holy Spirit inside of us, allow that truth to sink deep into our hearts and to force out all these other things that are giving us worth and value. And then may we demonstrate that in the lives that we live as your people, called by your name, for your purposes, for your glory, not for the glory of self. I believe that you will do this in us, God. We ask that of you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Red Sea Church. If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, please go to our website at www.redseachurch.org. If you would like to contact Red Sea, you can email us at info at redseachurch.org.